What makes a story horrifying? My wife Courtney and I argue all the time about whether or not a movie should be categorized as horror. My vote is always yes, and her vote is always no. We find different things scary. The Haunting of Hill House for me is a scary series, but Courtney finds it comforting. Halloween I think is fun and campy, but she gets freaked out when the theme song is used in a TikTok she's watching. The way I see it, horror has always been less about whether it's scary to watch and more about would it be scary if it happened to you? In Latin, horror means to tremble or shudder. In English, we use it to describe an intense feeling of shock or disgust. That can be triggered by something different for each of us, which is why horror is such a broad category. We're all so desensitized these days that it can be difficult to find a movie or book that truly sends chills up your spine. And that's exactly why I love having these conversations with authors from different backgrounds. Joining us today to share his unique take on the horror genre is Justin C. Key, who is not just an author, but a psychiatrist as well. Ooh, twist. Justin's unique connection to the human psyche, his passion for activism and love of horror merge themselves into a perfect storm of relevant, scary stories that are sure to keep you awake at night, but I'll let him tell you more about it. Justin, thanks for joining us today. It's good to be here. Uh, you know, in this, this it, it's interesting all the things that can be done now with like with Zoom and, you know, instead of us having to meet somewhere or be in person or like I've been able to be part of conferences and things like that. You know, it's, uh, it, it's such a time. I think it's a hard time, but it's also, I think, a lot of good that can come out of it, like being able to, to know that, that things like this can happen, that there's more, that we can do things in different ways. So it's good. It's good to be here. I think that this has opened doors into what is possible. So for example, you know, I'm, I'm also a psychiatrist and, uh, you know, work with mental health. And before we had, we have our office at UCLA and patients come in and, you know, the, the, the typical appointment, but now they're all done over Zoom, you know, and some of that isn't ideal. It's definitely would be a lot better for, I think, some some patients to be in person, but for a lot of other people, it's it's just eliminating like a barrier to care. Like they don't have to go through traffic. If they like forgot that their appointment and they remember like 10 minutes before, you know, they don't have to reschedule and something might not be for the next next few weeks or month. They really just have to kind of, um, you know, I'm kind of meeting them where they're at. They just have to get to a computer or a phone. Now that we know that this is, you know, available and can be done, is no reason I really think to be in the future. Like, I know you're on your way, but you know, if you're not here in 15 minutes, we're gonna have to schedule for a month from now when it's like, I know that these things can be done remotely. So I hope we don't go fully back. You know, I think there's a lot that we can learn from being forced to do this. Yeah, it's like having the cell phone and then going back and being like, oh, let's just go back to the rotary phone. Yeah. You know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. What's your origin? Where do you come from? And how, how did you get connected to horror and the paranormal? I grew up in Washington, D.C. Um, I grew up in D.C., D.C. Some people say like the D.C. area, but I grew up in Southeast D.C. My mother worked at the Library of Congress. So growing up, I had like access to pretty much any book 
ever. I can tell her if I was interested in something and she'd just be able to look it up and bring it to me that day or the next day, you know, or even books that I didn't even know existed. So that was like the beginning, I feel like, of my kind of love for reading. I was the only child. So it was just me and my mom, a single, single family home. And I had a lot of time, I think, to entertain myself. My mom was a great mom. She continues to be, like, gave me a lot of love and a lot of time. And she also gave me a lot of resources, like reading and letting me explore my imagination and all those things. So it was me and her in D.C. I remember I did go back to visit my family often in Martinsville, Virginia. Uh, and it's a, a small town in Southern Virginia, close to North Carolina. I would go there and and spend time with my grandma for the uh, for the summers. And I'd have one suitcase that was full of my clothes and one suitcase that was full of books. Yeah. And I remember first getting into reading with, uh, with Goosebumps, the Goosebumps series. It's something I devoured. And just being able to go through, I think that these adventures and be scared in kind of like a safe place was really great for me. And then I started reading stuff that Sometimes I feel like I have no business reading, like Stephen King, Clive Barker. Like I look at novelizations of movies. Like I think I read the, the novel for Species 2, which is definitely not appropriate for a kid. Uh, I read Jaws. I remember seeing movies and then going to the book and being fascinated by how much more was there. Like you have Jaws, the movie, and then you go into the novel and it's like all this backstory in terms of like relationships and affairs, which I found was fascinating. And I remember Jurassic Park was actually one of my favorite movies as a kid. And I asked my mom to get that by Michael Crichton from the Library of Congress. And after I read it, I wanted to write Steven Spielberg and say, how did you mess up this this (laughs) great book? You left so much out. You know, um, that's actually, I think that's one of the books I've read the most uh, times in my life. I think I may have read it like five times. I didn't actually get too much into horror movies until I was a little bit older. I remember there was something about it that I assumed when I was younger, I didn't like to be scared in that way. I didn't like the jump scares. Uh, and I felt like in reading, I was able to kind of get into the environment. It was my imagination. I was slowly kind of introduced to this, to whatever the horror of it was. I was thinking about this a little bit earlier today, and I kind of feel that there was, there hasn't been too much feeling of like actual magic, I feel like in my life. And I would get that from books and I would get that from reading. You know, I've, I've always kind of looked at the, the world, I feel like in a, what I'd say, like a very kind of logical way. And I think that uh, reading let me kind of explore all these, all these different realms. I guess it was Goosebumps. Right. Yeah, that, yeah. That's how I was introduced to the genre as well. Is there one that sticks out or is there one that's like your all time favorite? I really like the um, Night of the Living Dummy. And it was kind of like the um, the story that I wrote for Strange Horizons, One Hand in the Coffin. It's me always wanting to kind of write like a, a possessed doll or ventriloqu- ventriloquist. There was something about it that was just just really creepy to to me. Oh yeah, I remember that one. Like, and I remember the physical copy in my backpack, and like how dangerous that felt. You know, to have have that thing that no one knew about that was so scary. So you mentioned one hand in the coffin, um, and that is how I was introduced to your writing uh, because it was highlighted on the Nightlight podcast. 
And then like the next day we were on a phone call and I, I did have that connection to like the, the childhood scare of like, what if your dolls came to life? But there's another element to it. I believe the, the one character maybe has autism or is on the spectrum mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that. And I've noticed in a lot of your writing, you are connected to activism or talking about racism or mental illness or people in the criminal justice system. Can you talk about what motivates you to write about that stuff and why you think it's important? Yeah, and I'll um, talk through, through the lens of kind of my journey as a writer because I've seen how it's changed. I went to pretty good schools. They were all public schools, and D.C. had really bad public schools. But at the time, these were, for lack of a better term, like diamonds in the rough. Like they were, like with rank, it's like some of the best schools in the country. And they were also about like 95% Black. So I actually, I grew up like in Black community. I grew up surrounded by, uh, by Black people. Um, and it really wasn't until like I went to college and beyond that I started having that identity of like as the token, which is interesting because all of the things that I was that I was reading and consuming, I felt like the default was white characters. And I realized this because when I sat down to write like to, you know, do that first novel that's now in a trunk somewhere. The main character was uh, a young boy and he was blonde haired and blue eyed. And I didn't realize what I was doing at the time. That's just, that was my default main character. I just finished reading reading the Harry Potter, the seven Harry Potter book. I wanted to kind of go on some adventure like that. So I think when I first started writing, I wanted to kind of recreate some of that wonder that I felt. Um, as a kid, and all I knew was based on what I had consumed myself. Um, and then, as I as I went on and continued to write, and would be in critique groups, I remember one time I like had a black character in one of my stories, and one of my writing critique buddies was like, "Oh, I didn't know that this character was black." Or they, you know, halfway through it says something that let them know that the character was black, and it was like, "I didn't know that in the beginning." It was like, "Well, what did you assume they were?" You know, and then I started kind of thinking about what have my own assumptions been? And as I, you know, went through med school, Trayvon Martin happened and we, so what I was doing in med school in terms of doing, helping to organize some of the white coats for black lives, these things were inevitably on my mind. So they started to come out into the page. And I think for a long time, looking back, it was like, I was maybe afraid to write from my experience because I thought that that would, that I was like the other in, in, in literature and that it was going to have to make it about that. And now, even though a lot of the stories I, I do write about race becomes a factor or criminal justice system becomes a factor, it's not from a sense of, oh, this is what I have to do. It's more from a sense of, okay, what has my own experience been like? What do I want the reader to get? And how can this also be cathartic for me? You know, because it's it can be therapeutic. I mean, to, to, to write about these things and talk about these things. And then I saw that through the lens of what causes me, sparks emotions in me, what I'm afraid of, I can more effectively bring those emotions out in other people, you know, because second novel, which is also a truck novel, I sat down and it was like a horror novel. And it was just your typical like haunted house ghost story. And I was like, how can I make like these gruesome ghosts and monsters and undead? And I don't think it was, I don't think it was scary. You know, it was, I had cool details in it, but I think I really had to kind of to dip into my own experiences. And that's what that's come out on the page. That's what has come out in terms of my experience being a mental health provider experience, like, 
losing people in traumatic ways, experience of seeing what the carceral system can do to not only, you know, family members, but, you know, patients, that that's how that's all come through for me in terms of my writing. That's what's scary, right? I mean, is is the real life stuff, the stuff that you know can actually get you. Uh, you know, like a zombie movie is never really truly about the zombies. The zombies are the situation and it's all the the terror of what happens with, you know, people's relationships and uh, all that when, when things fall apart. How does, uh, like, being a psychiatrist feed into that? Are, are there certain elements that you're pulling directly from, like, well, I mean, probably not, or you probably wouldn't even say so of, like, oh, this person told me this <laughs> fucked up story, but... <laughs> I have um, an answer for that. Okay. I've been very mindful from the beginning to... to to be aware of that and try not to do that because, um, and naturally a lot of it's gonna come, but I remember reading Michael Crichton's travels and Michael Crichton was, uh, he had gone through medical school and in travels he says that uh, like early in his medical career, um, a time he knew that he was gonna have to leave being a doctor was that he was with a patient and he had the thought like, hmm, she would make a very interesting character, you know? And he felt like that that patient, it wouldn't, that wasn't fair to the patient. Now, I think it's very hard to kind of like ex to separate those those two sides of your brain like like permanently. But I've thought about that in the sense of, okay, when I'm treating patients and when I'm here, like I'm part of their story, engrossed in their story, how am I going to help them? You know, and then later when I sit down and write or when I sit down and put something on a page, uh, it's less about like, oh, that experience that I had today, but it's more collective. Like, what was the emotional response in that time? What did I learn about somebody's experience that was different from my own? Um, and one of the things that I think in terms of being a psychiatrist uh, is a greater, I think, sense of responsibility in terms of what I do put on the page, um, because I want to make sure the same as being, you know, a black male here in America, that when I put down characters and I put down somebody's character's experience, that I'm not misrepresenting someone. And I'm aware that some people, their perception of somebody who has schizophrenia or somebody who has autism, you know, if they haven't uh, interacted with them in real life, reading my, reading my story, reading my work, that might give them some perception. And I want to make sure that, you know, people feel heard and as opposed to feeling stereotyped or feeling like they're misrepresented. Yeah. Yeah. Some of that stuff scares me, too, as a writer. I've been working on um, one with a non-binary character that is referred to as them and they the entire time, which I had never done. I want to write diverse characters and I want to know what writing that character would be like. And uh yeah, trying very hard not to write any stereotypes in there that would be harmful or give the wrong idea. I think that in terms of writing the, the other or writing from somebody else's experience, I definitely think that the most that important thing first is open yourself to doing it. And then the second important thing is not writing in a vacuum is, you know, and that comes from just you know, even if you feel like what you put down is like the best thing ever, most accurate thing ever, having somebody else read it and also being open to what they're saying, what their experience is. And I think trying not to come at it from uh, a sense of defensiveness. Um, so, for example, if, you know, I'll put it that, that may, be, may be true to me, if somebody 
asked me to read something as a black character in it, I'm like, well, you know, the the dialogue and the characterization seems like very stereotypical in this. You know, one response could be, well, that's how that's how you know my friends. That's how that's what I hear from them. That's how they they act, and that may be true. But it's also true that you know maybe that's not the full experience, and it's also true that maybe putting this on the page in this way comes off more more two-dimensional than what your experience is with your friend. So I, so I urge people like with that to try to kind of leave, like uh, um, not be defensive when the feedback comes. And that's how I've really, I think, been able to, to, to try to grow in writing like this. Um, like whenever somebody has like feedback, like being open, listening and say, okay, how does this challenge my perception? And this person has this reaction well, other readers had this reaction too. Yeah, for sure. And also realizing like, you know, I, I wanted to write a non-binary character because I wanted to re- help help put more diverse representation in, in books, but I, I don't want to pretend to know what that's like. So yeah. I was like, that's, that's who they are, but the story is not related. You know, the story yeah. is something else. What's the thing that like really gets your hair standing on end? So personally, I think a lifelong, and this sounds fairly cliche, but death and loss of consciousness and loss of being, like that has been, I think from when I was a little kid, just so difficult for me to imagine, to fathom. Um, And then coming from that is losing loved ones and coming to kind of grips with uh, trying to think of someone not existing anymore. And how this manifests for me is, for example, in like one hand in the coffin, writing that was a lot about my, uh, my cousin who um, was shot and killed in DC when he was 25 and I was, I was 17. His actually, his name was, uh, was Michael. Um, and his nickname was Dougie. And um, just trying to kind of understand now this person is gone and trying to understand like, well, what was his purpose in life? who has, what, what being or what forces have put like this plan in motion, you know, why is the the plan for me different? You know, how can I kind of try to process this? What is our purpose here? And what happens like after it's all gone? Is it all gone? The, the ghost stories and kind of those afterlife stories and, and dealing with death. Those I feel like hit me hit me a lot harder. When when I saw Hereditary, I went to be mortified by like, you know, creepy ghosts and scary things. And I, and I left just like, that was the greatest depiction of grief and yeah. loss I have like ever seen in a movie. That movie was going through my head as I was, as I was talking. Um, I'm so glad you mentioned it. And I remember being, I went to see it in the theater and I remember that's one of the, the few movies I remember like checking the time. Cause I'm like, how much longer? is am I going to be feeling so affected you know and I and you think about there are if you think back in a movie like that there's definitely a lot of scary images and and I remember like that scream that the mom had when she you know discovered something I don't want to spoil it almost did spoilers but you know the, there's this part in the movie where the the the, the grief so the scream through grief and you know being a parent myself like having lost people myself, it's, you know, you can feel that. And then it's like, man, what would that be like for me? Pet Cemetery was very scary for me in that same way why I think Stephen King says why it's very scary for him. It becomes like that 
that it came from him being uh, almost having a close call of losing his his son. Like his son almost ran out into traffic, and he was able to grab him. And you know that that the coming out from the dead in the cemetery, like that's scary, and those are gruesome images. But the real horror there is that dealing with that loss and not being able to deal with it. And it's different for everyone, as I'm I'm sure you know as a psychiatrist. Like I, there's no real path other than dealing with it but dealing with it looks different for everybody remembering that is potentially powerful thing in writing is that just putting something putting an experience on the page telling the reader kind of what it is that you want to evoke it's probably isn't as effective to as walking them through like being in that experience of having inviting them in to feel what you feel it's one thing to say like hey, feel sad at this tragedy versus this is a tragedy that you may not usually be affected by, but this is how it affects his character's everyday life. This is how it affects their perspective. This is how it affects their mood and their relationships and all those things. And so then, you know, that person, that reader might be okay with that tragedy that doesn't really like ring true for me. But I remember feeling like that about something else. Or I remember going through something like that. Um, and I think that's, you know, a lot of times that's why uh, genre like horror, you know, people gravitate towards because having those emotions come up can be, you know, I, I'm, I'm a psychiatrist and it's cliche, but therapeutic. It's definitely like cathartic and therapeutic, like you said. And speaking of tragedy, 2020 is now, it's, it's, it's gone. It's in, the, it's in the rear view. It's behind us. So what can we expect to see from you here in, in 2021? This year, I have a few things. I had a story come out in the magazine of fantasy and science fiction. It's called Enraptured. So it's out in the January, February issue right now. Um, you can get it from their site, sfsite.com or at Amazon. Um, I also have a story coming out from Escape Pod. So it's called Balancing the Equation. And actually, it's a science fiction story about loss and trying to uh, find the, the meaning of consciousness by traveling to a black hole. And then I have a horror story, a novella coming out from um, Serial Box, uh, Spider King, and that should be coming out towards the end of, end of February. I'm really excited about that. Um, it's the longest piece that I've um, had published so far. They do basically serialized narrations. So it's coming out in four episodes. And it's basically like somebody who had been incarcerated, um, took the equivalent of like a plea deal, but in exchange had to take this experimental medication that then makes sprout, spiders sprout from his skin. Um, and it's really kind of a, uh, an allegory about returning to society after being marked by the criminal justice system and, and the anxiety that comes with that. Um, and just something that I've always wanted to do in terms of a, a, body, a body horror and tapping into my kind of creepiness factor with spiders and it's therapeutic because researching that story i've come to love spiders the porsche jumping spider is like the coolest animal ever i urge everybody and it's really cute to look that to look that spider up it's amazing what they can do with such a small bundle of neurons it's great and then social media should we hit the uh, the stuff you're on instagram are you on yes. you got a, a website and all that kind of stuff yes so website uh justinckey.com um, and both uh, Twitter and Instagram is Justin Key underscore MD. All right. And I have just one one question. I want to go back here. 
So is, is Goosebumps available at the Library of Congress? Yeah, I, I'm pretty, yes. I'm pretty okay. sure. I remember them being in, so everything there is like in these just like generic kind of like hardbound books. And I definitely remember Goosebumps looks like it's in the same hardbound copy as Huckleberry Finn. R.L. Stein is a national treasure. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Wow, Justin is doing amazing work. Please go check out his published stories. You will not be disappointed. Ugh, I just love great fiction. But you know, sometimes the horrors of real life are far more scary than any fiction an author can write. Next week, Cody and I kick off a new month of terror, tackling the fear of traumatic loss. We'll be joined in that episode by the author of one of my favorite new books, Amden Bog. David Rose is a veteran and an author, and in the interview, he told us a true life story that left Cody and I completely speechless. You're not going to want to miss it. But for now, Edgar, roll the credits. Hunting Season was created by me, Joshua Sterling Gregg. Produced by Greg Holdsman and Jessica Richmond. And executive produced by Matt Gielen, Patrick James Lynch, and Ryan Gielen. And is a joint production of Believe Limited and Matt Gielen. This episode was written and hosted by Cody Dugan and Joshua Sterling Gregg. It was edited by Colby Crow. And select music in this episode was made exclusively for the podcast by North Innsbruck. If you like our show, please subscribe on your favorite platform. We have a video version of the show on YouTube and Facebook. Facebook and audio versions on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Is that good? Oh boy.